Hey, good morning, everybody. Morning. Oh, I gotta grab something. Ready? All right. I'll tell you what, it's a gorgeous day today, isn't it? Yes. I mean, if you were gonna plan to get baptized in February, today would be a good day to do that, wouldn't you agree? I agree. Can I get an amen on that one? Oh, come on. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. All right. Well, we are about ready to see a young man launch this afternoon at one o'clock down at Dexter Lake. And so you're all invited if you want to go. So uh, I have a little special note of encouragement in here and you'll get to hear it in a second. But so uh, anyway, for our wonderful visitors, we do this thing called notes of encouragement. We do it every day or every Sunday. So here we go. Jacob Compton, you are, you are Oh, thank you for, <laughs> wow, okay, you are. Thank you for the amazing lesson. You're an amazing teacher. Who is here this morning? Let's give it up for Jake. Wow. Jamie B., you have an amazing personality and are very sweet and encouraging. You give nice hugs and are an excellent Bible class teacher. And I don't know who wrote this, but I sing an amen to that one. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Papa can, I like it when you speak the word of God. Braxton, woohoo! All right, Braxton, that's great. Mr. Parks, oh, this is a good one too. Mr. Parks, your message was awesome. Ty, okay, here we go. You gotta run. We got, we got all, we got tons here. Man, we'll say amen after we're done here, and then we'll, we'll leave. All right, Mr. Compton, thank you for your teaching us about Jesus. Amen, Max. Thanks, Max. That's awesome. Appreciate that. Braxton. Now, Braxton, this is for you. Because you're always giving good, nice things to say, but this one's for you. Braxton, you inspire me. Thanks for stepping up and helping out with the prayer cards. You are a strong, you have a strong servant's heart. Can I get an amen on that one? Wow, absolutely. You're a good conversationalist, too. How many know Braxton is a really great conversationalist? I mean, he'll hold your attention, even if you try to walk away. He's got you. He's got you covered. You know what I'm saying? All right. So there's a lovely young lady with beautiful black hair right there. Heather, I so appreciate your covering prayers for my Bible studies. Oh, how I love the truth about the Lord. Loves to hear our prayers and to pour out his blessings in answering us. There you go, Heather, right there. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, here we go. Miriam, thank you for the... See what happens when you show up as a visitor and all of a sudden you're loved on that? Cool. All right. So, Miriam, thank you for the time you... Slow down. Thank you for the time you spend sending me encouraging scriptures every morning. James 3, 17 through 18 was very encouraging and perfect timing. And I know Miriam doesn't do it for this person only. So let's give it up for Miriam. Woohoo! All right. I so appreciate seeing you, Becky and Cliff. Sorry, Cliff, she put Becky first. Anyway, so you both are a wonderful blessing to Bill and I. Amen to that one. So here we go. I love seeing you, Halstead. Jen's here without your parents, even. Did your oldest brother drag you here? 
at Subway over in Thurston, and he asked me, he goes, you know what? This world's crazy and crazy, man. I live and work in a school that's just filled with, I can't remember exactly what you said. But anyway, he said, I want to be a man of integrity. So we've been, we've been studying on integrity. Let's give it up for that guy. So I have to tell you something. I'm going to tell him a little bit more. First, it was the first or second time we're sitting there, and this guy comes walking in, and he sees we got the Bibles there, and he looks at me and goes, points at me and goes, he's a good man. Isn't that awesome? So, praise the Lord. All right, sorry. Don't get embarrassed. All right, here we go. Jake, wow, awesome job on talking about how we are to build Christ's church. The Christ's future is bright with young guns like you coming up. Another Compton preacher in the house. Keep up the great work. Woohoo! I don't know who wrote that, but I was pretty, pretty excited. Popped a few buttons on my shirt here. All right, Darren, I praise God for you, your humble, honest, and good heart. You're a good friend and soon to be a dear brother and soldier in Christ. Together, we're going to whoop up on the devil. Amen? There you go. Right there. That gentleman right there. Woohoo! Okay, so 1 o'clock this afternoon down at Dexter Lake. If you're going down Highway 58, there's that uh, right to go to the boat launch. You know where that's at? Just across from the Dexter well, anyway, follow us if you need to know. Anyway, so there you go. So 1 o'clock, the deed will be done. I'm not the one that decided to do it in the lake, but the Lord was blessing us with a... It's supposed to get to 54 today. Isn't that balmy? So hopefully by 1 o'clock. Water's 52. What? Water's <laughs> Great. All right. Hey, Oregon Family Camp's coming up real quick. We got, we got folks coming, preachers come from the East Coast and in the middle of the country. And man, I'm excited about uh, what they're bringing, the message they're bringing. They got somebody from Michigan, somebody from Virginia, somebody from Montana. So, I think we might even get one out of, out of Lima, Ohio. So we'll see how that works. Anyway, we need help. We need help. If you want to step up and help out, I'm going to send this over here. This is a, basically a volunteer sign-up list. And uh, if you don't sign up, I'm sure that Melissa and her goons will come find you. So, better you volunteer than be inscripted. Okay, great. Yeah, so a couple houses. There's, there's. I know there's six guys coming from Montana, young bucks that are gonna come and get fired up. One of them's preaching, and the rest are coming up to uh, be encouraged and encourage. So we're gonna divide, divide them up. I think three and three, or two and four, or whatever. So just let us know if you have a place that you could uh, park a couple young bucks that love the Lord. Okay, and there's, I know there's others coming as well. So uh, let's see. I want to make sure I get all my announcements done. So calendars for February are out there on the, the entryway. And notice the uh, PHCC family dinner is Wednesday the 16th at my place. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with what we're cooking, but just bring your favorite uh, uh, entree and then something on the side would be great. And the 20th, 
the 20th, Sunday afternoon, the 20th. We're having a, a potluck here, and then we're going to get this old building and grounds looking really nice for all the folks who are coming out of town. we got people coming from all over, so we want to make sure that the old building and the grounds look decent, all right? And let's see, as you well know, Oregon Family Camp registration is due this Wednesday, right? Wednesday the 9th, yeah. So you want to make sure that you grab uh, the information out there. If you don't already have it, then make sure you fill it out and get it back to Melissa. Oh, by the way, registration form and money would be appreciative. If you want to eat, we need the money, all right? Remember, somebody graciously paid for the whole camp. So the best accommodations there are free. So, so thankful for a good brother in Christ who's willing to do that. It's pretty cool. All right, any other announcements before we run through the, the normal ones? Sunday night in February is at the Compton Homestead, but we're going to do online tonight. And the reason we're doing online is that Ryan is feeling under the weather. And you know what? We don't know what under the weather really means yet, so just to be safe. Uh, so Monday night, stay tuned. You'll get a message from the Comptons for the college age group. Wednesday night, stay tuned. You'll get a message from the Comptons. And uh, Thursday night, lady study is good to go. Okay, we're good on that one. And we have a birthday girl that skipped out today. So I don't know if Julie's watching or not, but we're going to wait till you're here to humiliate you. And uh, <laughs> But Royce, Royce skipped out last week. So Royce, I already saw you got a spanking from Mr. D. That was mean. You came here to be encouraged and not spanked, right? Man, I don't know. I'll do something about that later, maybe. <laughs> anyway, so how old are you, Royce? Eight years old. What a great, I don't remember eight years old, but I'm sure it was great. So I'm excited. So when is your birthday? Is it, it was, okay, so a couple days ago, you weren't here last week, so we're going to sing to you today. Anybody else have a birthday coming up this week? Anybody else? All right, you're the man. Here we go. And I'm not going to make you come up here like Mr. D said you were going to have to. So, but, but you could stand up so people can see you. Now you can sit down because I can tell you don't like sitting up. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. All right. Now, someone might well say, man, let's get on with the show. All right, let's do that. Hey, grab your uh, uh, lesson plans, if you would. Grab your Bibles. And uh, we're only going to read two verses today, and we're only going to preach on one verse. So we should be out of here in a couple days. So, if you were here this morning for Jacob, man, he's a chip off the old block. Yes. He went overtime. I was like, yes, son, yes. Actually, so, you started him early. What? You started I know, early. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. All right. Well, let's grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It's a verse that's well known. Uh, so many have it memorized, but let's go there. Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, verse 5 and 6. In all your, excuse me, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 
So we spent the last month introducing Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, as you can see, verse 7 and 8. You see that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and makes the Lord his trust. He will be richly blessed like a tree that's planted by the water and is rooted near the stream. And he will not fear when the times of drought come. And he will not worry when the heat comes, for he will see the prosperity of the Lord. For his leaf will remain green, and he will produce fruit even in his old age. Now, brother, I don't know about you, but that's a great and awesome promise from God. And so this is a promise from God. This, this scripture, by the way, is built into a series of six promises. Six promises. God promises, if you'll do this, this is what will happen. The blessing will come. Verse 1 is basically, if you do this, verse 2 is the blessing that you'll receive. Verse 3 is, again, if you'll do this, verse 4 is the blessing that you'll receive. And so 5 and 6 really are talking about, if you'll do this, this is the blessing that you'll receive. We're only going to get to one verse today. We're going to look at verse 5. and or, Yes, 5. So let's take a look at that and let's begin. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Whenever I read the scriptures, I always ask the question, what does that mean? What does that look like in my life? What does that look like in the life of, of men and women who are in Christ? What does that look like? And you know, oftentimes I've read these Proverbs since... Uh, well, since 1989, every, every month, I read the Proverbs through. And I've read that so many times, but as I've started to work on the series on trust, the power of trust, and how it can, can grow and propel relationships into great strength, working together. Together, each accomplishes more. But they can only be built on trust. Trust is the gold standard for every relationship. And so we need to understand how to build trust. And as I've said before, and I'll continue to teach this, and today is the start of when I begin to teach this, that you will become trustworthy if you fully trust the Lord. And you'll see why beginning this morning. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does that mean? We need to define some terms. Look at your lesson plan, if you would. I'd appreciate that. And so notice it says, defining important terms. We need to define the word trust. I know that we have an English, we have a modern day understanding of trust. But what is this actually saying from God's word? What is he saying trust is? You might be surprised. You know, looking into the, the Greek dictionary and the Hebrew dictionary, particularly obviously the Hebrew, this is what I discovered. The word trust in this passage means to quickly and carefully, with great diligence, running to that which provides refuge, protection, and security. Let me say that again. Because we really have two options here. Who do you really trust? Do you really trust the Lord with all your heart? Or do you have a tendency to trust self? 
I have to be honest with you. Humans have a default mechanism. And default mechanism is not God. Default mechanism is self. And so the question is, who do you really trust? Who do you, when things start to get crazy, who do you run to quickly with great diligence and focus and intention? Who do you run to? I have to be honest. I haven't quite got it all dialed in that I every time quickly run to the Lord. I know there are some that are going, really? Well, no, it happens to the best of us. And I'm not suggesting I'm in that category. I'm just saying that we have a tendency to default to self. Can I get an amen on that one? I know, that's a wimpy amen, but that's okay because I'm ashamed too, all right? So, but we should we should go running to the Lord. Now, what in the world does that mean? I'm always asking a million questions when, I, when I'm studying. What does that mean? What does that look like? If trust is, according to God, quickly, carefully, diligently running to him, do we really put our confidence in him? Do we really rely upon him and his word as the standard for our life? You know, the reason that hypocrisy abounds in the churches is because people do not know God's word, nor do they trust it enough to embrace it and demonstrate it consistently in their life. And again, I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm just saying that's what is observable. It's important then for us, as we talked about it a couple of years ago about being sincere. We need to be honest. The word sincerity, by the way, means not to be hypocritical, not to be fake, to be real, to be genuine. If you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand for you and I to walk in, then we need to look to Jesus as the one who's set the standard and then follow him. Do you think people will trust you if you follow Jesus? Is he the measure of integrity, yes or no? Well, absolutely, positively. And so it's important for us to recognize we need to run to him when we have challenges. Now, when you say, well, that doesn't, I think, running to Jesus? Jesus isn't around. There are some men and women who are older in the faith who are living their life consistently in the image and in the footsteps of Christ. They're living a faithful life. By the way, did you know that the word faith, right smack dab in the middle of the Greek definition for the word faith is the word trust? It's right in the middle of it. Conviction, trust, and obedience. Faith has conviction, trust, and obedience. Faith is always active, not passive. But notice the trust is built upon who? Upon God and his word. You look up the Greek word pistis, it's right there. Trust, right smack dab in the middle. It's sequential, conviction, so much so that you, you are sure of and trust in the Lord and his word, so much so that you'll live differently, knowing that he will bless if you will follow through. And you know what? When you do that, you become a man or woman of integrity, and then people can trust you because they've consistently seen your thoughts, your words, and your actions are all the same consistently, over and over and over again. And so we take a look at who we're supposed to trust in. Trust in the Lord. You know, this word Lord there is the word Jehovah, the eternally existing one. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think I'm pretty smart. And I think you think you're probably pretty smart too. And most of us really are pretty smart. Sometimes too smart for our own good. You know what I'm saying? And you get an amen on that one. You know, I'm sorry the preachers kind of pull it out of you. But the reality is, is that I'm not omniscient. God is. What's that mean? I had to look it up. I had to look it up several times. Omniscient means to know everything. I got news for you. I don't know everything. In fact, there's an awful lot I don't know. I know how to break stuff. I got that one dialed in really good. What are you smiling for, Vaughn? Okay, I can break stuff. But you know what? It's interesting. It's so important for us to recognize that he is omniscient, knows all things. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. That should make you shake in your boots. And he's omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. There's nothing he can't do. And so we should run to the one that knows all things and can do all things. Who is your strength? Who is an ever-present help? Who's the one that wants to be there for you? Of course, he does. And we jump into, well, I'm going to do it the way I think it best be done. And then we end up in a real pickle, don't we? Well, notice, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your heart. Really, entrust to the Lord all of your heart. Now, let's take a look real quick. Many of you know this already. I'm going to share this for our new, wonderful, sweet friends. We've been friends for a long time. But here we go. What's the heart? What's the spiritual heart? The physical heart has four chambers. The spiritual heart has four chambers. You look up every word heart, as I have done, and you look at the context, and you'll find that these four chambers are in the spiritual heart. The first one is the reasoning chamber, or the chamber of intellect, where you process information. You have five senses that gathers information in, right? Your eyeballs, and your ears, and your little feelers, and your tongue, and, uh, oh, and did I say ears already? I'm missing something. There's only four there. What am I missing? Oh, nose. Thank you. Good job, you sweet friend, soon to be my dear brother. I can't wait to slay the dragon together. I'm totally stoked. Anyway, so nose. Man, you know what? You go in somewhere and you go, I ain't going in there. Man, you reasoned that one right. That's great. Okay. Or you see something going, I ain't going near there. Why? You reasoned it through. You made a decision. You reasoned it right. It's important then you see the next one. It's your will. It's your motives. Your will and motives drive you based upon your cognition of what is good or evil. It should be that way anyway. And then your emotion. You know when you make the right choices and right decisions, willfully entering into decisions, using words and actions to express that mindset, that motive, you're either going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, cursed one. That happens even in this life. You do something good, people are going, that's a great job, awesome. But you don't, life is miserable. There's nothing wrong with life being miserable when you're a knucklehead. Learn from it. But see, you make good decisions and you act on those good feelings good emotions are produced. The opposite is true. Finally, the fourth chamber of the heart is the most important. It's the moral, moral chamber of the heart, moral or ethic. 
What is your ethic? You know the word ethic means standard. What's your ethic? It should be a Jesus ethic. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the ethic, the Jesus ethic. And how, how do you measure up to that morality, that standard? I would hope that you would consider that your spiritual heart, whether you're outside of Christ or inside of Christ, will work. You know, somebody outside of Christ who chooses to do the right thing according to God's word, God blesses. A Christian who chooses not to do God's word is cursed, has all sorts of problems. And so it's important for us to recognize this spiritual heart works. Now, who are you going to run to? Your best friend that's limited in his ability, he's fallible and has made tons of mistakes, or are you going to go to the Lord that has everything dialed in, knows all things, and has all power to help you? Where are you going to go? Well, that's a no-brainer. But if we take a look at the, the, the other side of this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's a warning there. There's a warning, isn't there? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still learning this verse. I got it memorized. That's good. Memorization doesn't mean that it becomes your character, but it is a good start. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And so if you want to take a look at that second point there, defining important terms, you know what the word lean means? doesn't mean lack of fat in your body. I'm sorry, that's not what we're talking about here. The word lean means seeking to support weight. Something that you can rely on and depend on to be supportive. What are you going to put confidence in? In something, in someone or someone, or something or someone. You know, I went out waterfall checking out with my son, Andrew. We went up to, to Green Peak Falls, and uh, I'll tell you what, it was gorgeous. If you haven't been up to Green Peak Falls, down by Alsea Falls, you need to go. It's amazing. Anyway, we get out there, and, and I got my nice, fancy million-dollar camera, kind of. Anyway, it's nicer than my cell phone. And, and we want to get the best picture. I think, Andrew, I think I wanted to get the best picture, and you were, okay, whatever, Dad, let's go. Anyway, so to get out into the middle of the river, <clears throat> We had to take our shoes and socks off, and then we had to kind of walk out on the rocks. Now, you know what you do when you do that? Is you what? First, test the rock. How many know why that's important? Anybody have the experience where they didn't test the rock? You know what I'm saying? So in order to trust it, you got to do what? Prove to see it's trustworthy. So can you lean on the Lord? Absolutely. How many have ever leaned on somebody else's advice and you go, Man, I'm stupider than he was because I listened to his advice. You ever have that? I'm sure glad I'm not the only one. You see, so it's important that you, you not trust in yourself. Sometimes I think, yeah, I, I got this one. I got this. You ever see that? Oh, I got this one. And whenever somebody says that publicly, I'm going, ew, okay, let's see how this rolls, right? It's important to recognize and understand that you and I are fallible. We're not omnipresent we're not omniscient we don't know everything you see we're not all powerful we're not omnipotent we need help we need more help than well i need more help than i think i'm not going to put that on you all right now when we get to this your own 
Lean not on your own understanding. You know, your own is, is the big self. You know, before you become a Christian, self is on the throne. Everything revolves around self. You know what I'm saying? And so unfortunately, you and I have discovered that self sometimes will let us down. And I have to be honest with you, I, I have at home the, the Communist Manifesto and I have the Humanist Manifesto, both written in 1936 and the revised in 1972. You know what it says in there? There is no God. We must save ourselves. We must actualize ourselves. You know, it kind of goes, he who dies with the most toys wins. It wasn't in there, but that's what it was saying. That's absolutely a ridiculous mindset. Self kills. Self kills. That's why it says that we need to be crucified with Christ. God is going to crucify, God is going to bury, and then God is going to raise up a new creation. That's what a Christian is, a new creation. Old things have passed away, new things have come. Why does God say, hey, you know what? You want to follow me? You need to be crucified. He just want to get, he wants to get rid of that mess so he can rebuild and create new, a new creation. And so, brethren, this self needs to go. Oh, by the way, do you know what Jesus says in Matthew 16 and verse 24? I didn't either until I looked it up. It goes something like this. You want to come after me? You must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. He's the lead. By the way, he died... He gave himself up, not my will but thine be done, he said, so that you and I would have hope. So we need to recognize and understand self's got to go. By the way, you know, once you become a Christian, doesn't mean self goes, okay, I'm done, see you later, I'm packing. <laughs> that's not how that works. It's not how that works. And if you think that's how it works, you're going to find out pretty quick that's not how it works, Okay. It says we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Amen? If Christ is our cornerstone, if we're building our life on Christ, then every thought needs to be taken captive and mastered for the master. Now let's finish with this. Understanding. To know the meaning of something perfectly and completely. Do not lean on your own understanding. I don't know anything perfectly and anything completely. If you do, I'm stepping down today and you're on stage next week. We're all in the same boat. We're growing. Amen? So if you think you've arrived, you're ripe and rotting. That's how that works. I'm still green and growing right on till the last day. By the way, remember, old people can be sappy according to God's word. Yes. Okay. I'm sappy, man, and I'm getting sappier. Is that a word? Anyway, my point is, is that, look, we don't know it all. We don't understand it all. We need to go to the one who does. Do you read your word every day, the Bible every day? Do you read it and think about, what's that look like on Bill Compton? No, I mean, you don't ask that. Well, what does that look like in Bill Compton? He's coming up really short. That's not what I'm saying. Do you say that about yourself? What does that look like on... 
Darren, what does that look like on Sharon? What does that look like on Bragg? That's interesting. Anyway, moving right along. You see, we need to ask ourselves, what does the word look like? We don't have the understanding. God does. The word understanding means to distinguish or mentally separate in consideration. In other words, there's all sorts of facets of a situation or circumstance. My son, Jake, did a great job this morning. And I'm not bragging because he's my son, although I'm bragging because he's my son. But he did a great job. He used the word circumspect. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you know what circumspect means. That's one of those big words that nobody ever uses anymore. And I was thinking, wow, that came out of my son's mouth. (laughs) I'm not being mean when I say that to you, Jake. And then the coolest thing was he defined it correctly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's what understanding is to be circumspect. And the way he showed it, it was great. You look at all facets of a problem or issue or situation, and then you go inward to see what you're lacking, and then you can ask God for help. Wow. I got schooled this morning by my 21-year-old son. Thanks, son. It was great. Is that okay for a younger person to have a truth from God's word and share it? And if you're unteachable, you miss good stuff. You really do. So, Let's be circumspect about those things around us. And finally, in the definition in the Hebrew language for understanding, it means to be a prudent man or woman so you can discern and make right decision. I invite every one of you, give you a homework assignment. You look up every word prudent, every word prudent in the book of Proverbs. It will give you a sequential group of scriptures that will teach you what prudence means. Here's what it looks like. Before you make any decision, you search out information. You find many counselors who have much more experience and wisdom and knowledge than you. You glean all of that information. Then you make a decision. But in that decision, you're constantly looking to see if that was the right decision or not. You know what that's called? understanding that I don't have all the answers, seeking out information from those, and then building a life based upon what? Upon God's wisdom and experience. Now, what does this actually look like in practice? Look at the case study I have for you at the very bottom there. Number three, case study. Two case studies, really quick. First case study, number one, you want to write it down? You get a raise from your boss. I mean, a big raise. Yes! Woohoo! I've been waiting to buy that boat all my life, and now I will in a year! Yahoo! Now, that's the guy that's leaning on his own understanding. But what does it look like if you trust the Lord with all your heart? Let me see if I can try this one out, okay? Number one, I mentally know from my study of the scripture that every good thing and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Amen? How about this one? When you go back to the scriptures, it says, God has given us health and strength to make wealth. God has given us the ability to make wealth. Whose money is it? God's. And it's a gift. 
So what should the mental processing do? I am so thankful for the blessing of added income. The next step is I'm determined to use this to honor God. That's the will. That's the motive. To honor God. What do my families need? My physical family and my church family first. What do I need? I know that I need to provide the first fruits of whatever the Lord provides. He promises that my barns will be filled with plenty. I don't have any barns really, but anyway, I know he's got that one covered too. So look, I'm going to honor God with this money that he's provided, this increase to provide. <clears throat> now, if there's extra, that's great. But the thing is, is that the mindset always goes back to honor God first in the context. And what's the emotion? The emotion is, if you're fully engaged, is that Jesus said, he who waters others waters himself. I'm not losing anything when I use that extra money to be a blessing to my families, both the physical family and the church family. I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining everything because you can't outgive God. It's really true. And he's not going to provide more money for you. That's not what I'm saying. That's prosperity doctrine. That's Joel Olstein doctrine. That's not biblical doctrine. You know what? You water others and you'll be watered however God sees you need to be watered. Amen? So just recognize the mindset. It's a spiritual mindset. Always going back to the Lord. What does God's word say? And then finally, what's the moral right thing to do? In whatever I do, I want to honor and glorify him. So in the use of this big old fat, you know, increase, you honor him. I'll close real quickly with the last case study. You get laid off. You get laid off. You get laid off because the economy's bad. You get laid off because you're a knucklehead. It doesn't matter the reason. You can learn a lesson. Lots of lessons to be learned. If you're a knucklehead, I'm not sticking my hand on that stove ever again. You know what I'm saying? That's a good thing to learn. Praise God. You can learn from these difficult times in your life. And sometimes, for some of us, I'm not suggesting you, I know someone very personally and intimately that does this quite often, you don't learn the first time. You know, some of us are slow learners. And so, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying some of us. And so, you finally get it. Oh yeah, I got it. That's a great blessing when you learn not to stick your hand on the stove. Amen? Yeah, and you, and you might even get some blessings other than that. But see, when that difficult time, you need to see it from the God's perspective. So what is your will then? If you're laid off because of economy, what are you going to do? What anybody else does right now. Wait for Uncle Sam. Uncle Joe to cover you. <laughs> no, you're not. All hard work brings a profit. Mere talk leads only to poverty. You know, I love the statement, if a man will not work, neither let him eat. You know, that's in the Bible. That's mean. God said it. It's not mean. Because he also says that hunger drives the worker on. So if you take away that incentive, what ends up happening? Nobody wants to work. Hmm, sound familiar? 
Businesses have a hard time hiring people. Hmm, sound familiar? You see, if we go against God's word, the, the curses come. But you know what? If you're laid off because of an economic thing, what should you do? What should you do? There was a time in my preacher life when the money ended. And I'm not on a contract, as all of you, well, most of you know, there's no contract here. Paul didn't have a contract. Jesus didn't have a contract. I don't see any of those guys in the Bible have a contract. I just come out and preach, and y'all good folks said, well, we'll support you. So there's a time when there wasn't enough. Would Paul go, okay, this is a breach of contract. I'm suing the church. I've actually known preachers that did that. That is really messed up. So I should tell you something about that preacher, huh? So you see what I did is I went out and got a job. Went out and got a job. Well, that's what Paul did. He went and made tents. I went and worked down at Selco. Had a great time. It was a hoot. It really was. And uh, I never got, I never got uh, held up. That was a good thing. And uh, most people were pretty nice. Some weren't. Uh, but, you know, the reality was is that God richly blessed me even more so because I don't, didn't have any insurance because I didn't come out here for insurance. I came out here to preach the word. And when I came out here, I got a really bad hernia. They got really, really, really bad. And then when the money wasn't there, I went and got that job. Guess what? Selco has great insurance. God was looking out for me. You see the power then of honoring God and not relying on yourself? So when it comes down to the morality of this, the morality is, is the man of God, the woman of God will be a servant of all, a hard worker, working as unto the Lord. Amen? The emotions come when you do the right thing. The people, the people who refuse to work they're, they're stealing from their soul. But those who work hard and are blessed richly, there's power there. Now, brethren, this is the first of many lessons on how do you build integrity. I've given you, if you're listening, several ways to build integrity. Both in the, the good blessing of being enriched or the one where you've lost your job. People are watching how you respond in both of those and then they're going to see either a man or woman of integrity or a man or woman of the world. Let's go with Christ's integrity, amen? Let's pray. Our holy God in heaven, how thankful we are for this beautiful day. How thankful we are for your word. It's been such an amazing journey of, of several months studying with Darren and I, I just love this guy. He's such an awesome student. He's so humble. And uh, I just appreciate him a ton. And Father, I'm excited to be a part of this wonderful uh, event of him being immersed into Christ. And Lord, I would just pray that you would help us to recognize and understand this by God's word and his character working through us as your people that touches the hearts of others, that they too might grow, that they too might become great soldiers in this resurrection army. How we praise you and thank you, Father, for this word that teaches us to trust only in you and not in, our, not in ourselves. Help us now to live it out in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's all stand up and get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to... Go.
Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right. One o'clock down at Dexter. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.